0: 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we are at. So if you'd open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're just looking at uh, 12 verses today, if I'm counting them correctly. A little background, if you're kind of newly joining us in this study, the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual children. This book is extremely uh, vulnerable and uh, revealing the heart of Paul as he went through a lot of struggles uh, with his spiritual children. Uh, He founded the church. He was in Corinth for 18 months. He brought them to Christ. He taught them. After he left, some other false teachers came in behind him. Uh, They are sometimes called super apostles because that's kind of how they designated themselves. Uh, They sought to win the affection of the Corinthian church to themselves. And the way you do that, the way you get somebody to follow you is you put down somebody else. And so that's what's been going on. The last few chapters in the book of 2 Corinthians just so rich and thick and heavy with human emotion and passion and the reality of the human struggle. And I love the Bible so much that it just it doesn't hide anything from us. This is, this is so relevant. Um, if you have loved somebody and, and uh, especially invested your life in them, in the things of God especially, and then they've turned on you, this is what's happening how do you respond to people like that and so the apostle paul here is kind of forced to defend himself uh, the reason the main reason being i believe is that if he's discredited as an apostle of jesus his message is discredited so he's kind of backed into a corner forced to defend himself so let's pick up the story here second corinthians 12 verse 11 i'll read these verses we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll dive in He says, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. This passage is full of sanctified sarcasm. He's being sarcastic with them. We'll we'll look at that a little more. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for their parents but the parents for their children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls though the more abundantly I love you the less I am loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear lest when I come... I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions and jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, and lest, when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, the fornication, and the licentiousness which they have practiced." let's pray shall we father thank you so much that we can gather freely jesus thank you so much that you have become our savior lord you've died for our sins and as we say yes to you and and probably most of us here have said yes we thank you lord for the life that you give us we thank you god for the newness that we have in christ we thank you for your holy spirit lord we thank you for your word, which is the eternal compass for our lives, Lord. We don't have to wonder about how to live or how to walk, Lord. You've made it clear. And then you give us your spirit to empower us to do it, to make us desire it, Lord. Pray you bless this passage and this time to our hearts and to our lives, God. Thank you. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, unfortunately, the title of this message is Misjudging Spiritual Leaders. That's what's happening here. I heard a pastor teaching us about preaching one time, and he said to be sure to say you, 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 you know, and he said, you Calvary Chapel guys, which we are part of the Calvary Chapel churches. He says, you guys are a little too nice. You say, we ought to do this, and we ought to do that. He says, that's very humble of you, that's very nice. But he said, you ought to say, you guys ought to do this, you guys ought to do that. There's a place for that. I'm going to go the we route today. Because the things that the Corinthians were guilty of, I've been guilty of. God has put men in my life over the years to be mentors to me, to be leaders, to be influences. And I can get kind of the, forgive me if there's any teenage boys in the audience, I can get the teenage boy attitude as that my, dumb is, my dad is as dumb as a bag of rocks kind of thing. And God has put leaders into our lives, you guys, and we are to recognize them, not because they're perfect, but because they're placed by the Lord to mentor us, men and women, women over women, uh, you know, pastors over, over entire congregations, elders, older brothers, older sisters in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul here, as I said, he hates to have to do this, but he has to defend himself because they misjudged him. And we're going to see here the reasons why, because they were living sinful lives and a sinful life will lead to a sinful misjudgment. And so heavy stuff. Let's look here. Verses 11 to 13. The Corinthians lacked a lot of things in their Christian walk. We read verses 11 to 13 again. I've become a fool in boasting. You've compelled me. You kind of backed me into a corner. I ought to have been commended by you for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Verse 12, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds for what, is, for what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. And then my intonation is, forgive me this wrong. He's being sarcastic with them. And I think, and this isn't the main point of the text, so don't go home and be sarcastic and say, Pastor Bill gave you permission, okay? But there is such a a thing, I believe, as making a point by, by speaking the obvious in a ridiculous manner. And he's doing that with them. In verse 11, Paul tells them, and what a thing to have to say, you compelled me, you should have commended me. He's saying to the church, you should have backed me up. When these people came and attacked my character, you should have backed me up because you know me. And that's not something really that a lot of us are ever comfortable saying, but he had to say it. Once again, if he's discredited, the message is discredited. So he's forced into this corner. He, he tells them, you should have backed me up. He also says something very, very interesting. He says in verse 11, In nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles. I, I, I didn't fall behind. I wasn't lagging behind in regards to spiritual giftings and, and wisdom and knowledge and, and he had many encounters with the risen jesus christ and he says i didn't lag behind at all though in essence i really know without him i can do nothing look at look at your notes here john fifteen five jesus said i'm the vine you're the branches he who abides in me i in him and i in him that person bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing so it's kind of paradoxical but paul is basically saying this look at these guys attack my character. If I'm discredited, the gospel is discredited. So I've got to stand up for myself, though I really don't want to. And by the way, you should have stood up for me, but you didn't. But I'm not falling behind these guys. I'm not less than they are, except that I really know without Christ I, can do, I can't do anything. I want to encourage you, as you continue on with your, with your Christian walk, as the Lord would lead you to different places and different churches and whatever the case may be, Be careful about leaders that talk a little too much about themselves and a little too little about Jesus, who are busy patting themselves on the back and congratulating themselves, you know, in in an unhealthy kind of way. Paul didn't fall behind in anything. He was eminently qualified to be an apostle. And at the end of the day, he says, you know, really, I'm nothing. So that's a healthy outlook for the servants of God. They should have defended him. Look at your notes. Look what Matthew Henry says. This is an amazing thing. He said, it is, an, it is a debt we owe to good men to stand up in the defense of their reputation. And we are under special obligations to those who have received, to those we have received benefit by, especially spiritual benefit to own them as instruments in God's hands of good to us and to vindicate them when they are slandered by others. The people that have spoken into your life, are you not, not, not that we worship them, not that we recognize them as, not, not that we think they're perfect, nobody's perfect, but the people that have spoken into your life, that you've, you've grown because of their presence in your life, are you able to stand up and defend them when they get attacked? Because surely they're going to get attacked. There's critics all over the place, have you noticed? I like a tweet that actually the comedian Rob Snyder, no, I'm not endorsing him or his career. I need to go on record all the time about these things. So but he said he said something really, really interesting. He says, if we would turn off the news and talk to our neighbor, we'd find America's a lot more friendly of a country than we realize. <laughs> Why does he have to say that? Because there's so many critics everywhere. And the church is not immune. And spiritual leaders are not immune, and pastors, and if you're discipling somebody, if you're sharing Christ with somebody, you go and meet them for coffee, and you're all this wonderful progress, and open sharing, and all this things going on, and then the person says, well, thank you for meeting with me, I, can we meet again next week? Yeah, you can meet again next week. And they walk away, and they've blessed you so much, and somebody will sit down and say, you really know what they're like, can I tell you about them? And, yeah, 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 you know, and all this stuff. It happens in all various ways, any number of ways. The people that have spoken into your lives, are you able to, to defend them? And guys, there's a place for it, for defending them when they are unfairly attacked. In verse 12, he talks about signs, wonders, mighty deeds. He did teaching, evangelism, church planning, miracles. He said, I've done all these things. I proved that I have the credentials of being an apostle. I did it in perseverance. He was beaten with rods and shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead and all these things, and he kept getting back up and doing it again. He, didn't, he wasn't a fair-weather minister. He kept pushing through the most difficult times. That's a sure sign of, of a committed Christian they don't quit. Not that they don't fail. We're all going to fail. I love thinking about King David, And uh, Israel's probably greatest king. Guy failed a lot, but what did he do? He kept getting up and apologizing. Sorry, Lord, let's start again. It's a sign of a mature Christian. You keep going. It's what Paul did. In verse 13 here, it seems as though they were trying to validate their own worth by implying... Well, let me just read the verse. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches except that I myself was not burdensome to you? I, I I like to phrase things this way sometimes. Sometimes we have the answer, but we don't know the question. So if you're walking by my table at a restaurant, and you hear me say to the waitress, medium rare, what was the question? How would you like your steak? Okay. So you can, you can presume by the answer what the question was, or what the situation was. These super apostles came in and said, we're the super apostles, and because we're so great, and because we're so gifted, we're going to be sure to take up a collection or two after every time we speak, and you guys really should support us and all of that. And Paul, for some reason, with the Corinthians, refused to do that. Their implication was, well, he didn't receive anything from you because he knows he's second rate. He can't really justify it in his own mind. That's what he's saying here, verse 13. What is it in which you were inferior to other churches? In other words, he received financial benefit and support from other churches, but not from this church, and the super apostles would say, well, he's treating you less than. He doesn't think you can handle it or you don't understand. There was some kind of accusation there that made them feel like Paul thought less of them. And he says, "You know what? It's not that I think less of you. I wasn't burdensome to you." And then in that sanctified sarcasm, and I just love that the Bible has sanctified sarcasm. I just lo- I love that. Forgive me this wrong. Remember Steve Martin in the '80s, you guys? Well, excuse me. You know that? Have you ever seen that skit? If I'm not saying, go on Saturday Night Live. I just it was just a line, okay? Just a phrase. Excuse me. I didn't charge you. I didn't take from you. I didn't, we didn't pass the plate twice. I didn't say, dig deep, brothers. If you love the Lord, dig. He, he was totally just unburdensome to them, and they interpreted it as, well, that's because you're weak. It was so backwards that it was just wrong in so many ways. He had to defend himself. There's a huge lack of appreciation in, in, of, of the person of Paul. First of all, they should have commended him, and they didn't. Secondly, they should have appreciated him and they didn't. Let's go through these verses. For the third time I'm ready to come to you, I will not be burdensome to you. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to beg for money. I'm not going to be harsh over you. I'm not going to dominate you. I'm not coming with a heavy hand. It's not what I'm into, he says. I'm not going to be burdensome to you. I will not seek yours but you. Guys, if somebody is ministering to you or as you're ministering to somebody, we don't, if, if there's any kind of uh, mixture of motive, guys, it's, it's going to be known. You know, how many skunks does it take to mess up a, a, a field of, you know, a bouquet of flowers? I mean, it just takes a little bit. I'm, I have great examples today, don't I? It's just amazing. Huh? I'm really at the top of my thinking game here today. When we minister to people and we're, and we're seeking to, to share Christ with them and do kingdom work with them and all that kind of thing, if we're in it, if there's anything about it that we're in it for us, even just to gain their friendship and to be around them, People pick up on those things. And Paul's just saying, you know what? I don't want you. I mean, I don't want yours. I don't don't want your money. I'm not begging for your friendship. I'm not expecting that you invite me over for dinner or pat me on the back or anything. I want you. He was very, very pure in his motives for these people. And then he says, the children, ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. He was their spiritual dad. He says, you know what? I'm going to... I'm investing in you. It shouldn't be that you're investing in me. Verse 15. I will very. What a verse! If if you like to highlight your Bible, this is one. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. This is a huge verse that illustrates unconditional love. I'm going to spend myself for you. I will spend and be spent. I will empty my spiritual pockets, I will empty my life for your benefit. But oh by the way, you guys are so carnal that even as I do it, you interpret it in the reverse, and the more I love you, the less I'm loved. Can you can you feel the sadness in that? It's just heartbreaking. The more I love you, the less I'm loved. But you know what? I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep loving you. I come and teach you. You think you know more. I come to encourage you. You think I'm a loser. I come for free. You think I should charge. I come to correct. You tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> There's just There was just no winning. In fact, our leadership group meets at 7.30 in the morning here at the church and we go through some books and we, you know, we, we try to build up people for ministry here. And we were reading a book that it included some some things about a guy named a church father named Clement, and he was an early church father, and he wrote about the church at Corinthians probably about forty or fifty years after this letter was written, and two people made it so that they were running the pastors out out of the church. This church never got straightened out. You know they say nationally this is the average pastors leave the ministry because of seven people in the church hundred, it can be a church of a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand, but seven people can, can grind you to a halt. That's how much damage can be done by naysayers and carnal people uh, wearing the name of Christ. It happens to you guys too. It happens to us, doesn't it? The, the corporate we, right? It can just take a couple of people to just wear us down and make us want, why am I going to go to with coffee with that person again? Why am I going to bother inviting them over for dinner? You know, I, I, we invite them over for dinner and they're smiling and this and that. And then they trash talk us. And why am I doing this? Because I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Even, the more, even though the more I love you, the less I'm loved. This is tremendous. Take it to heart, guys. Let's be those kinds of people. Amen? Verse 16, be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you in guile. What he's going to say here is, yeah, I didn't actually rip you off, but I sent Titus and he ripped you off. wasn't true. He didn't say, you know, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'll send my, 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 my uh, what's the word? I'll send my hitmen, And they'll get their hands dirty. And then we'll split, we'll split the, the booty afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll share what you, he got out of you guys. Look at verse 17. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I didn't, I didn't do anything to you. But lest you think I did it through them, did they take advantage of you? No, they didn't take advantage of you either. The word cunning there, verse 17, uh, was that where it was? Yeah, verse 16, I think. Anyway, it's there somewhere, isn't it? 16, thank you, Deb. Nevertheless, being crafty, I think cunning might be the old King James. It means to the, when you put bait on a hook to catch a fish. Paul's here again. Watch out. He's trying to bait us. I'm not trying to bait you. Well, you come and you don't ask for money, but we know you're up to something. I'm not. Okay, I'll leave. He's sending Titus. Titus is going to get us. I mean, there was just no, there was no end to it. There was just no end to it. Constantly being criticized and questioned, doubted. 17 to 19, Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? And the answer was no. I urged Titus and sent our brother with him, so Titus and another guy, Did Titus take advantage of you? No. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Didn't Titus treat you the same way that I treated you? And the answer is, it's an implied yes. I want to take a, a, a moment here just to say that this is a really good way of dealing with interpersonal conflicts. You know, Jesus did not say in Matthew 18, when somebody offends, you write about it on Facebook. Is that a shock to anybody here? He didn't say that. So if, your, if your brother offends, you write about it on Facebook. He didn't say that. Look at your notes, guys. Read. Matthew 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Do you know how much damage uh, is avoided if we will go and talk to people? Now, now there are sometimes people that I don't want to talk to because I anticipate that they're going to push back and I'm just, you know... Uh, going to get my face chewed off, you know, and, and there's sometimes I, I don't want to do that with people and, and I understand some of you don't either and that happens sometimes. But, but dear, bro- dear brothers, I want to use the old word brethren. Brethren, it doesn't matter because you don't know if you're going to get your face chewed off or not. The Bible says if your brother or your sister sins against you, go tell him one-on-one and you may say, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Then don't tell anybody pray for yourself to be strong enough to go face them. Well, I, I, it's not my gift. Make it your gift. Can I say this nicely? Get over yourself. If you're not courageous enough to go talk to somebody, then pray and say, God, you know what? Jesus, you said that guy, that guy sinned against me and I'm stewing and I'm bitter and I don't want to go to church anymore. I think God's calling me to another church. He's not calling you to another church. He's calling you to walk across the church and go talk to that person. That's what he's calling you to do. And to go humbly and get the speck out of your own eye, or excuse me, get the log out of your own eye before you try to get the speck out of his. But, but this is what Paul is doing here. He's asking them. He's just saying simply, I know you say that I treated you that way, but did I really treat you that way? I don't think I treated you that way. And I just want to encourage you guys. I really strongly want to encourage you guys. If you don't do that, you're immature. And it's not going to get better because then... You know, if, you, if you're, let's say you're 20 years old right now, and you don't like talking to somebody that offended you, and maybe you don't even know how, or, you know, I understand all that, but you know what, figure out a way to do it, and don't presume that they meant to hurt you. Go, this is what, this is my tactic, this is what I do. Um, I just go to somebody and say, you know, um, I don't think you, I, I, I don't think you meant to hurt my feelings when you did this, or when you said this, and so I, I don't know your heart and all that, but I just have to tell you, when you said that, man, it really hurt, and and I just, I don't want anything to be between us. See, that's not accusing, is it? Just go and talk to them. Or maybe they did do something and just say, you know what? Maybe you had a bad day, maybe something. But when you did that, that wasn't right. And the goal has to be, look at your notes, guys. What does it say? This is Jesus speaking. If your brother sins against you, go tell him it's fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. And that's the goal. It's terrible to come to church and have to look away from people, isn't it? I hate that. I hate that i <laughs> messing with you guys. I hate that. I have unreconciled relationships in Napa. Don't you hate driving into the parking lot and there they are and suddenly you remembered something at another store? Don't you hate that? I hate it. The Bible says as much as life is within you be at peace with all men. So I want to encourage you. Don't stay immature. And if you have trouble doing this thing right here, may I encourage you, put your initials just on a prayer card and and say, help me to do, and you don't even have to tell us who you are, God knows, but just you can say, pastors and and prayer team, pray for me, Matthew 18. Pray Matthew 18 into my life so I'll have the courage to go and, and not let these things separate me from other people or family members. Help me be courageous, Lord, to do that not because we have to vent it somehow don't we the emotions are there and we'll we'll tell somebody and we'll write about it and and we'll spread it around and then things just get worse and worse and worse and does and then and then you never develop the spiritual discipline or the skill or the courage to actually ever face anybody and pretty soon you find yourself isolated and all alone you say why doesn't anybody like me because you dug a hole and then you fell into it so this but but back on onto the onto the passage here this is what the apostle paul is doing He's just saying, guys. Did I treat you that way? I didn't treat you that way. Look at look. It's just real easy, isn't it? Verse seventeen. Did I take advantage of you mm. by those whom I sent? No. I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Mm. Uh, no. Uh, verse 18. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Yeah, Titus was gentle like you, Paul. Did we not walk in the same steps? Spirit talks about attitude and steps talks about actions. And didn't Titus treat you and act the same way among you? And see, the Corinthians, they kind of are, are not having any way to defend their actions. He's disassembling all their supposed reasons for, for them resisting him by, by simple... Uh, interrogation, and interrogation might be a strong word, but a a simple line of question. He's he's helping them think it through. This is good in marriage, by the way. This is good in friendships. You got mad at me. What did I do? And just ask and and be ready to hear an answer. So this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. Verse 19, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? Am, Am I making excuses? I'm not making excuses. Verse 19, we speak before God in Christ. What what a statement. We do all things, beloved, for your edification. Paul could, you know, when I was a kid, what we would say, you know, I swore on my mother's grave or something. Unfortunately, my mom's still alive. Hi, mom. I love you. (laughs) I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on a stack of Bibles. Paul's just saying, you know what? Before the Lord, before the Lord, I don't want what's yours. I want you. I didn't take advantage of you, I don't think you're inferior. I will gladly continue to spend my life for you. I will continue to love you, though the more I love you, it seems the less you love me. The people that I invite to come and help you as well, they will treat you the same way as I do. And I just want to ask you, Corinthians, do we deserve to be treated this way? And is there any good reason for it? And he's just asking them to search their own hearts. And it's a beautiful, that, isn't that what the Holy Spirit does all the time anyway with us? Yes or no? Yes. That's what God's always doing. Search your own heart. So he's just asking them to search their own hearts. And then he finally says, and it's just beautiful. He was so offended by them, and and they were so offensive to him. But look at his heart. This is the heart of Jesus coming through Paul in the most beautiful way. Look at verse 19. We speak before God in Christ. He's he's just saying, you guys, you know what? Honestly, I'm telling you the truth. As God is my witness, he says... uh, We do all things, beloved, for your edification. If we didn't take money, it's because we love you. If we came, it's because we love you. If you treat me bad and I come back again, it's because I love you. If you backbite me and slander me and listen to people accuse me and I come back, it's because I love you. You know, I was thinking about it. If Paul wanted anything from these guys, he should have kept moving. (laughs) You know, If he wanted to enrich himself by these people... Don't stick around, Paul. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get anything out of them except pain. But he didn't care because he just loved them. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 20, this is the dad speaking. I fear lest when I come, this, is, this, is, this speaks to their lack of holiness. I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Modern translation is wait till your father gets home. You know, that's Dad talking on the phone from work to Junior. And he says, Junior, you know what? When I get home, I want everything to be okay. I want to hear that you apologized to your sister and to your mother and that you did what you needed to do. I don't want to come home, Junior, and find that things haven't changed. So, son, when I come home, I don't want to find you that way because if I find you that way, you're going to find me this way. And Paul's just saying, if I need to be the dad, if I need to give you guys a spanking and discipline you, I will. I will. And and notice what he says, you guys. This is really sad for a a, a pastor or any spiritual person to have to say this about people. I'm I'm afraid that when I come, I'm going to find you not doing the right thing. Why would Paul say that? Because they had a history and a pattern of not doing the right thing. Can I just say this to you guys? In in another portion, I believe in 1 Corinthians Paul said, I hear this about you, and I hear this about you, and I hear this about you, and in part, I believe it. Well, you're not even here, Paul. Yeah, but I know you guys. And may I say that any one of us might be able to know somebody where we kind of hear some bad news, and you know what? We don't wish ill against them, but we're inclined to believe it. You know why? Because they have a bad reputation. It's sad in the body of Christ. We don't want to be, aren't you glad you came to church today? Isn't this just like, don't you just want to get pom-poms and just do this? And, but this is, we go through the scriptures. We don't want to miss anything. And Paul says, you know what? I don't want to show, I don't want to, I don't want to come and, and discover that. And you don't want me to come and discover that. And he's asking him ahead of time. I'm coming to you. I'm coming now. Can, you, can we just get it all cleared out of the way so we can just hang out and love each other and enjoy, enjoy God together? Look what he says. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbiting, whisperings, conceits, tumults. That's just all negative. That's just all bad stuff. Unless um, when I come again, my God will humble me among you. That means when I come, I'm going to be brought low. I'm going to feel low. Why am I going to feel low? Because I'm going to show up to church and all this fighting is going to be going on. And this is their dad. Parents, you know, don't you? You know, if you're not a parent, I'm sorry to leave you out of the conversation for a minute, but parents, you know, you come home and you just think, what is going on here? I'm a loser. I'm a failure as a dad. Why do the kids love each other? You know, all, you feel all of these things. And Paul's just saying, man, I don't want to experience that with you guys. I don't want to come and see this terrible list of things happening. There's 21 as we, as we close. If you have any questions, uh, text them in. I'll try to answer. He says, lest when I come again, God's going to bring me low. And I shall mourn for many. They've sinned before and they're still sinning. They haven't repented. May, may I say something bright and positive and wonderful? I love to catch you guys doing good things. I love to hear praise reports about somebody did this and somebody did that and uh, really, they did that? Are you kidding me? That's amazing. And this family and this healing and this marriage is better. And the, oh, it's like, oh, it's a pastor's like happy moment. It's like my happy place. It's like, oh, Lord, thank you so much. It's so great. I love hearing that about you guys when those things happen. I always hear it secondhand because you're not going to brag about yourself. But I just, I love those moments. And Paul's just saying, you know what? That's what he prefers. I don't want to come and see all this stuff. And he goes, and finally, as we said, uh, I shall mourn for many who have not, who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, licentiousness, which they have practiced. They're still doing it. They're still doing the bad stuff. And apparently, according to Clement, the church father, it kept going another few decades. That's the church you didn't want to be sent off to. Yeah. The denomination sending me to Corinth. No, you know. Not Corinth. They were just a carnal church. And yet there was miracles going on and all these other wonderful things, but their hearts were not right. Guys, what, what's the result of all those sinfulness? They're misjudging Paul. When we participate in sin on a regular basis, we don't have clear discernment about spiritual things. We'll be critical. If you find yourself being critical about everybody, may I just say, you know, do the Michael Jackson song, I'm thinking about the man in the mirror. You know, any, any Michael Jackson? Okay, never mind. Okay, one of us. Um, Look in the mirror and just go, why am I so critical all the time? Man, is my name in 2 Corinthians 12? Is that what I'm doing? Is that why I'm critical all the time? Is that why I can't defend the people that have been blessing me? We just don't want to do that. These are not fun messages for me, but we have to hear this stuff. Look at the bottom of your page. Some some encouragements, and then if there's any questions, and then these guys are going to lead us in a song to close, and... We're going to invite people to come and pray. And if you want prayer for anything at all, not even necessarily what we studied today, but just any kind of prayer at all before we leave uh, the room together. Some application for us. Ungodly living leads to ungodly judgment. Paul says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If we, if we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we can rightly discern the, the people that God wants to use in our lives. Here's a thought for you. What if God wants to bless you with somebody and if you really get to know them and open your heart to them, they really bring a blessing into your life, but you're misjudging them because you're choosing to sin instead. You miss out on it. And then maybe say things about them that makes other people miss out on them. But if we will focus our, our lives on the things of the Spirit... We're not going to be suffering that way. Secondly, don't evaluate spiritual leaders according to human standards or preferences. John seven twenty four, Do not judge according to pure appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Words of Jesus. Finally, I love this verse. Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 17. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, Whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable to you. Why don't you guys come up and start getting ready. I'm going to keep talking for a minute here. A few years ago, Debbie and I were down in Southern California, down at a pastor's conference. And it was at Murrieta, a big conference center down there. And it was a Wednesday night, and one of the guys that's had a great influence in my life uh, is Raul Reese, pastor down there. And um, how many of you guys are familiar with Pastor Raul? Okay, a lot of you. Yes, he Let me tell you something. You know, he's, I have a bunch of Rawlisms, you know. I can do him really well. And I just said, Debbie, let's go, let's go over to his church on Wednesday night. And I just haven't seen him for a while. So we get there early, and, and I knew, I've known him since the 80s. So we, we get there, and um, his assistant pastor hey, Bill, what's going on? Come back and see Raleigh's in the office. I'm like, really? So we go back there, and we're sitting there talking to him, and it's just really, really good. And then, we, and then the service starts, and we're sitting in the front row, because I just, I love seeing him preach. I love his passion and, and all of that. And, and, and then he does the altar call, and people come forward and all that, and it's just, it's just beautiful. And at the end of the service, he says, Bill, come up here and say something to the church. I was like, oh, you know. But I had been thinking about Hebrews 13. Take note of the people in your life that have spoken into your life whose conduct, consider their conduct. Consider how their lives have turned out. Let them be a mentor to you. Let them be a model to you. Because they have to give an account for you. And as it turns out, I was so emotional, I just blubbered and cried on stage. <laughs> I couldn't even, couldn't even say anything because the guy still gets emotional. This guy had meant so much to me. He was, a, he was an example of faith. Not a perfect man. I know, I know the things he does wrong, but a man of faith and a man of conviction and a man of daring and he takes risks in the, in the kingdom of God. And that those verses just spoke to me about remember people like that. God has set people in your life to be those kinds of people. And we can miss them if we're choosing to live the wrong way and we just don't want to miss those kinds of people.